This morning, God's Word comes to us from John chapter 12. You may turn there in your Bibles at this time, or it is also printed in our worship folder. John chapter 12. We'll be reading just the verses 20 through 26 of this chapter. John 12, beginning at verse 20. We hear now is God's word. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Also printed in your worship folder today is a, a portion of Lord's Day 16, uh, questions 40 through 43, and I will read those for you at this time. Question 40, why did Christ have to go all the way to death? The answer, because God's justice and truth demanded. Only the death of God's Son could pay for our sin. Question 41, why was he buried? His burial testifies that he really died. Question 42, since Christ has died for us, why do we still have to die? Our death does not pay the debt of our sins. Rather, it puts an end to our sinning and is our entrance into eternal life. And then question 43, what further advantage do we receive from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? Through Christ's death, our old selves are crucified, put to death, and buried with him, so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer rule us, that instead we may dedicate ourselves as an offering of gratitude to him. Well, we are moving forward in our study of the sufferings of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ as they're outlined for us in the Apostles' Creed, as they are explained for us in the Heidelberg Catechism. We have talked about his life of suffering, a life of suffering, but especially at the end. The last time we talked about the fact that he was crucified, meaning he took the curse for us. That curse which should have fallen on us instead fell on Jesus Christ. This morning, we look at his death and his burial. And the Catechism begins with a, a, a very thoughtful question. Why did Christ 
have to go all the way to death. Why did he have to go all the way to death? Wouldn't it be enough if he was willing to die for the sake of his people? Wouldn't it be enough if he was willing to leave the glories of heaven to come and live on earth and be surrounded by sinful men and women? Wouldn't it be enough if he was willing to die? After all, we think back in the Old Testament and we think of Abraham, how he was called by God to offer up his own son. And yet God did not require Abraham to take his son all the way to death. He restrained the knife in his hand as it was over his son. It was sufficient that Abraham was willing to show his obedience to God, willing to do what God asked him to do. Why not with God's son? Why not with Jesus Christ? That he would be willing to do everything necessary. Why did he have to go all the way to death? And we see that the answer to that question has to do with the very character of God himself. Our confession answers, because God's justice and God's truth demanded it. God is faithful to his own character. God is faithful to himself. He is a God of justice, and he is a God of truth, and therefore Jesus had to be more than just willing. He had to go all the way to death, and this for our blessing. Jesus' death means our life. Our God is a just God. And his justice, when it is offended, demands a penalty be paid. We saw that all the way back in the Garden of Eden. God had created Adam and Eve. He had placed them in this beautiful garden. He said, you may eat of any tree of the garden that you see. Oh, except for that one tree in the midst of the garden. If you eat of that, you will surely die. The penalty for disobedience was death. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, chose not to listen to God but to go their own way. And that death penalty would be enacted. Not only on them, but by that act, they brought death to all. Death throughout time. That was the penalty for sin. Our God is a just God. He demands satisfaction. He couldn't simply choose to overlook sin. His justice would not allow it. And we even recognize that. If there was a judge today who had a guilty man standing in front of him, the attorneys had done everything necessary to prove their case, the jury had unanimously found him guilty. And if the judge said to that man, you know, I really think it's enough that you're willing to go to jail. 
I'll let you go instead. We'd say, what a lack of justice. There is no justice there. The soul that sins shall die. God is a just God and cannot overlook sin. It requires the death penalty. His truth must not be impugned. We did read this morning from Ezekiel those words I just said, the soul that sins shall die. That is the word of God. That is the truth of God. And God speaks the truth always. The devil speaks lies. The devil is the father of lies. When he speaks, he speaks lies. That's his native language. But God speaks truth. And God speaks eternal truth. I know today that's a, a concept that is hard for many to grasp. We think the truth is, uh, is what the majority says it is. The truth is up for grabs. What may be true for you may not be true for me, and vice versa. You're free to pick your own reality, set your own truth. But God's truth, God's truth never changes. Why did Jesus Christ have to go all the way to death? The nature, the character of God himself demanded it. He is a God of justice. He is a God of truth. Our confession, only the death of God's Son could pay for our sin. Well, I began to think about that. Is it true that only the death of God's Son could satisfy the justice of our sin? We have to recognize the Catechism always writes in a particular context, it writes for a teaching purpose. But I began to think, you know, there was another way God's justice could have been satisfied. And that is, that if each and every one of us was put to death, if that death sentence was carried out on everyone, and all of us condemned to an eternity in hell, that also would have satisfied the justice of God. God's character is such that he is not only just, but he is also merciful. He is a merciful God. And he chose to demonstrate his love to his people instead of enacting justice upon them. God would have been right. He would have been true. He would have been just to condemn us all to an eternity away from him. But he is also merciful. And he has chosen, instead of enacting that death penalty upon us, to enact it upon another. A substitute to come and satisfy the claims of God's justice. Look what Jesus says in verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus came as that substitute. He came to stand in our place. And Jesus uses a picture here, children, a picture of farming to explain how he will stand in the place, not only of one, but in the place of many. A picture of farming. Now, when I was growing up, um, every, every spring, 
uh, my parents would plant a vegetable garden in the backyard. And they'd always have us kids help with planting the garden. We'd plant carrots, and we'd plant radishes, and there'd be tomato plants, and there'd be cucumber plants, and there'd be, we'd plant the beans. But my favorite was planting the corn. I liked planting the corn. Dad would have the ground all ready, and then he would just kind of poke holes in the ground, and us kids would go back to buy and put the corn seed in the ground. And we'd cover it up, and it would get watered, and the sun, and the rain, and all that. And eventually, kids, corn would come up corn stalks. And we would take that corn and we would have corn on the cob for lunch or dinner and it was wonderful. The corn would grow. One little seed put in the ground and we'd have these corn cobs. We'd eat. Now as us boys got older, we were also involved not only in the planting of the corn, but when the season was over, we would cut down the corn and till it under the soil. Dad would give us a big machete. I don't know what. He gave us a big machete. And, and we would go out and he would cut down those corn stalks and chop them up, and then we would hand spade them into the ground. What was interesting was, kids, when we, when we pulled those stalks up out of the ground, the seed was gone. The seed wasn't there anymore. The seed had died. But we had eaten many meals of corn. That's the picture Jesus is giving us here. One goes into the ground. He will go into the ground. But many will receive the blessing. Now, I, I Googled this this past week. You can Google it later. Not now on your phones. Later you can Google this. An ear of corn, one ear of corn, has approximately 800 kernels. One goes in the ground. 800 come up. And that pales in comparison to what Jesus Christ did. He goes into the ground and bears much fruit. Many will come to know Him as their Lord and as their Savior. This is the glorious truth. Jesus Christ, by going to death, gives life. And gives life abundantly gives life not to a select few, but gives life to everyone who embraces Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. That's the call of the Gospel again today. Know that Jesus Christ. Know the one who would be willing to die, to go into the ground, to be buried, that we might have life. Put your faith, put your trust, Put your hope in Him. And you will know that God's divine demands for justice have been satisfied for you because He came to stand in your place. Why did He have to go all the way to death? God's justice and God's truth demanded. Catechism goes on to ask this question. Again, a really thoughtful question. If all that's true, if all that's true, since Christ has died for us, why do we still have to die? If his death means our life, why do we still face death? Well, the Catechism reminds us that our death does not pay the debt of our sins. Christ has paid the debt of our sins. The amazing thing is, knowing that Jesus Christ has died for us, even death 
now becomes a blessing for the believer. Our text says, death puts an end to our sinning. When we have had a loved one who has been struggling near the end of their life with physical frailty, and we, we have to, to stand by the bedside and we watch them laboring for breath and we see the pain in their body and when they are when they are taken to be with the Lord that physical frailty is over their pain has been relieved that is true not only physically that is true spiritually as well death puts an end to our sinning no longer tempted to sin. No longer tempted to go back to those old sinful ways, the ways of the flesh. That temptation is over in our death. No longer tempted to sin. No longer struggling with the guilt of sin. That guilt that weighs down upon us. When we know we're not walking in God's ways, the guilt is gone. Our death now becomes a blessing, an end to our sinning, an end to our temptations, an end to our guilt. It's an end to our sinning. And it is our glorious entrance into eternal life. Death becomes that passageway to life eternal. Look at verse 25. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If we love our life in this world so much, if we love the ways of the world, if we love the things of the world, we will eventually lose that life. I have to ask myself sometimes, Am I too attached to things of this world? Am I too attached to, to the comforts, to the blessings, to the many things I enjoy? Am I too attached to these things and not enough concerned about the things of the Lord? If we love our life in this world and the things of the world, we will lose our life. But, Jesus says, if we hate our life, the sin in this life, the disappointments that we bring to God in this life, if we hate those sinful ways, through the work of Jesus Christ, we will keep our life into eternity. Death is now a blessing for the believer. That, that final enemy finally has been dealt with, and even death is not, is not a curse for us. It's a blessed entrance into eternal life. Jesus' death means our life. And then finally, question 43. What further advantage do we receive from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? Through Christ's death, our old selves are crucified, put to death, buried with him 
so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer rule us, but that instead we may dedicate ourselves as an offering of gratitude to him. Our old lives, our sin, has been put to death and buried with Christ. We now are free to live for him. We are free to walk in his ways. We are free to offer ourselves as sacrifices of thanksgiving, living sacrifices. We might follow our master. This coming week is preparatory week as we look forward next Sunday to coming to the table of our Lord. And so this week we reflect upon our lives. We reflect upon our actions. Do we see that sinful self being more and more put to death, our evil desires of the flesh no longer ruling over us? Do we instead, instead see that we might now offer ourselves, dedicate ourselves as lives of thanksgiving to week of reflection helps us to, to remind ourselves Jesus' death means life to us. And if we find ourselves still deliberately going back to those old ways, we have to put that to death by the power of the Holy Spirit and come next Sunday and be spiritually strengthened with the body and blood of Christ because his death brings life to us. It is not a table of death that we approach. It is as a table of life. Our life found in him. The joy of belonging. For Jesus says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Follow my ways. Follow after me. And he says, and where I am, there my servant will be also. Where is Jesus now, children? Where is Jesus now? He's in heaven with the Father. He's in heaven with the Father, sitting at the Father's right hand. Jesus says, where he is now, we will be. John will say that Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. He is there preparing that place. Our death, his death means life for us. Life now and life eternally. This is the blessing of knowing the finished work of Jesus Christ. He would be willing to suffer. He would be willing to die. He would be buried. The seed would grow on the ground. That it might sprout forth new life for all of God's children. God calls us to live those new lives, those lives of gratitude because of what Jesus Christ has done. Not only willing, but going all the way to death on our behalf. Satisfying God's justice. Fulfilling His truth. And all of this for us. Jesus' death means our life. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do praise you and thank you for the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he was beyond simply willing to die, but he actually did die on our behalf. Lord God, may we never take this, this glorious truth for granted, but may you use the reminder of that today to, to give us a greater devotion, a greater desire to follow after Jesus Christ, to follow his holy law, to live in a way that is pleasing to him. Lord God, strengthen us by your Holy Spirit that throughout this coming week, throughout the rest of our lives, we might praise you and thank you with our actions for what you 
have done. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.